Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Hi, welcome to Business as Unusual. This is Aisla, and I'm here today with Jesse Berg. And welcome to the show, Jesse. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's give folks a chance to get to know you. Do you what's the last fun activity that you did that you want to talk about on a podcast? So I would like to preface this that my definition of fun includes having recently purchased an absolute disaster of a farm in Western Colorado. And so (laughs) a lot of my fun time right now is spent rehabbing that farm. And I'm very aware that most people's ideas of fun is not like digging in heavy clay soil to try and do soil rehab. But with that in mind, I actually spent this past weekend taking down an old chain link fence the previous owners of my property had goats. And so they have all these fence fences that are just everywhere. And so I took down an old fence, started cutting down a invasive Russian olive tree, and I'm going to put my raised beds there. That I had a ton of fun this weekend, even though taking down that fence required an impact driver, a full set of sockets, a shovel, a pry bar, an angle grinder, and a chainsaw to cut a tree branch out of the fence in order to take it down. So more tools than one normally needs to take down a fence. But I had a really good time doing it. I'm just going to say I'm super proud that I actually know everything that you were talking about. I'm not quite to to that level, but I'm like, I know what those words mean. It makes me feel like I've achieved something here. (laughs) That's fantastic. There you go. I don't know if you've ever played the farming game, but you just made me think of this. It was a game that two Microsofties in like the 70s or 80s left and bought a farm. And then they made a game about farming and just how brutally hard it is. And anytime I've ever thought, gosh, I'd like a farm, I go play the farming game. And the intense like cynicism of the game makes me think I'm probably not ready for that much work in my life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my hat is off to you. Yeah. My spouse really likes to play Stardew Valley, which is also a farming game. Mm-hmm. But we have a running joke in our house about how Stardew Valley is the only place where a farmer is the most desirable person in town and definitely and also the richest. We're like, nope, that's not it's not how the rest of us work in farming land. Oh, no, it is. It is. It's necessary, right? Like agriculture is fundamental to everything that we're doing. And it's very physical and strategic work. So mm-hmm. yeah, my super hats off to you. What are you trying to grow? Can I ask? Is that allowed? No. Yeah. So we have only had this farm for about a year. So right now we mostly grow trash out of the ground that we have discovered and old fence pieces is a lot of what we're growing right now. And then we lease Uh, I have 18 acres and 11 of them we lease to a local farmer. He grows corn for his cows. And then this year, my project is fruit trees, perennial shrubs with edible fruit and berries, and then getting my annual vegetables and perennial vegetables set up. We've lucked out a lot. We actually have wild asparagus growing on the property. So I'm going to eat a lot of that this spring. That's awesome. I'm excited to, to hear that you guys have that opportunity. That's a neat adventure to be in. And then we're here to talk about your other adventure, your business. You want to introduce yourself and the name and kind of what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So my company is Outgrow Your Garage. 
and Alcarie Garage actually stems from everything I have learned in my years of working in environmental education and landscaping and urban farming, which is that when you know a lot about what you do as a business, you like working for yourself, you like doing the thing you do, but it's really hard to run that business side, right? So the same is true about my farm, the same was true about the landscaping company I had before Alcarie Garage, the same was true for every small farm I have ever worked for in my entire life. The business side is really hard. And a lot of times it's unnecessarily hard. So for example, uh, my Algorithm Garage had to register with the Secretary of State recently, right? We have to do our periodic filing. Everybody has to do their periodic filing once a year for your business. You say, okay, great. So normally you go on the state website and you fill out, yes, I'm still in business and you pay your $10 and you move on with your week. The bank website for our credit card had our address in capital letters. But when we typed it in the state website, we did not put it in capital letters because it didn't occur to anybody that we needed to put road in capital letters. It took six weeks to figure out that's why our payment wouldn't go through. And it took about eight hours of hold time to do that. That is unnecessarily. So part of what I like to do with Outgrade Garage is advocate those kinds of stories about small businesses. So when we talk about small businesses, where are the places that things are just systemically harder than they should be? That should not have taken that amount of time to figure out. And then the other one is this idea that you do have to go in and file a periodic report every year with the state. Not everybody knows that. So Alcorry Garage is really designed around this idea of when you know a lot about what you do and nothing about running a business side, how do we make that learning curve easier? How do we give you an actionable piece? How do we help you set up systems to remember that once a year you have to go into the state and file a form? How do we build that learning curve? So that is, so AgriGars does this through a bunch of ways. We do online courses, we do webinars, we do co-working, we do working with other businesses who use our programming in their programming. But our big focus is how do you set up those processes and operations as a small business and you don't want to spend eight hours on hold trying to find somebody to answer your question. Can we help you spend three hours on hold instead and get to the right person and ask the right question? So we can limit the amount of time you're spending doing these unnecessarily hard tasks that are systemically stacked against you as a small business owner. Yeah, it's really true. That's such an important awareness I want to highlight it, which is it's often as much work to determine like the right person and or the right question as it is to actually get the tool support process payment, whatever it is through as needed. So yeah, I really hear you on that as a specific small business person's need. What impact do you seek to have doing this work? So really intentionally, my goal is to reduce the failure rate of small businesses. In Colorado, the rate of small business failure within the first five years is over 50%. Nationally, it's closer to 75%. That's an insane amount of businesses that get started and then don't take off. That's so much time and energy that people put into their small businesses, their companies, hoping for a change in their life, hoping for something that's more stable, hoping for something that will give them a schedule that works for them, hoping that they'll take a job that they really love to do that allows them to live the kind of life they want to lead. And that's a lot of people who did not achieve that and wanted to. Some number of those people certainly got into business for themselves and went, no, I like my steady paycheck and I'm willing to trade things off for that. I don't want to go through this learning curve. And that's a perfectly fine decision. But a lot of them fade out because it's 
unnecessarily hard in a lot of ways, or you don't know the right question to ask. You don't know where to find that information, or it's just straight up lonely working by yourself. And I don't think we prepare people for that. So Outgrow Your Garage is really working on how do you fill in this gap of there are a lot of resources to start a business. There are a lot of resources once your business is stable and has money. How do we get you through those first one to four years where everything is hard and you don't know what you don't know? No, that's I think that's a really great or offering because, yeah, that's one of the things that I see a lot with folks is they will they got in business to do A, right? But then in order to do their business, they have to do B and then B just takes up all their time and they feel very like overwhelmed. They're not working in their best area of personal fulfillment and or honestly, most impact, right? Because they're trying to do this thing over here. So that's a really great opportunity for people to be able to focus on what they are more inspired around or talented Mm -hmm. in and to have someone like you help with the pieces that are necessary but may not be where they want to put all that time and attention and a lot of what i see in small businesses is there's this aspect of i don't know how to create a process while i'm still figuring out what i need and when you think about what lets your business scale it is the ability to create processes and operations within your business, right? You hear about operational efficiency, we're going to streamline our operations. But what does that actually mean? And what does that mean in the context of a two-person company? So really thinking about at that early stage, how do you start writing down your documentation? How do you start doing the same thing every time? How do you start managing, oh, this is where I keep my client information. This is how I remember whether or not I called somebody back. How do you start building those processes in so that when you can hire somebody, you're like, here's the process and they don't have Mm -hmm. to reinvent the wheel every time. And then the other thing I really work on is how do you pay yourself first? Because it's really easy to funnel all the money back into your business. But if you're not paying yourself, you're never going to be able to hire. You might be working for free, but nobody else is going to work for you for free. So how do you set that process up so you can plan for that? No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's important. It's easy to get into that mindset. And I think it's very damaging. I've had the oh, my own struggles with realizing that if I'm not actually taking care of me as an employee, then it can become a very unhealthy relationship with my business. And honestly, there's not a lot of, I think we're getting better as a culture, but there's definitely a lot of support for having an unhealthy relationship with your work. What inspired you to do this or start this company? You talked about it a little bit, but. Yeah. When I got into my thirties, I had never had a year round job in my whole life. And I had been working in summer camps. I had been working in environmental education. I had been working in urban farming. I had been doing all these seasonal jobs and I really loved working outside, but I took a good look around me and I went, it'd be really nice if I had a savings account. I love what I'm doing, but it doesn't pay. And at some point I need to stop living on $300 a week. Um, Yeah. It was not working. And so I looked around and I went, all right, I'm going to take my very first office job. And I got a job as a school programs assistant at an arts nonprofit. And I handled field trips for kindergarten and first first graders. And I was like, great, still have that school schedule, still have times that are busy, times that are less busy. But then they expected me to show up every day even when there wasn't really anything going on and there wasn't any work. And I was like, I don't understand this. And people were like, no, no, this is how jobs work. 
And I was like, that's not how my jobs work. Yeah, I didn't make any money, but I didn't have to show up somewhere and do nothing for an entire day. This is boring and this is terrible and I hate it. I don't know how everybody else does this. So I immediately left that. It was I was there for 15 months. It was the longest job I've ever had in my entire life up until I started my own business. And I started my own business. I started a landscaping company and loved it. Did that in Denver and worked on water-wise landscaping, environmental landscaping. And it was really hard. I knew a lot about plants. I knew nothing about how to run a business. It was hard to figure out what I didn't know. A lot of what was out there wasn't applicable to my business. So I would go to a webinar on marketing and they would say, great, this is how to set up your Instagram. And I'd be like, yeah, but I'm a landscaper. No one's going to hire me based on my Instagram. My marketing really needs to be, how do I leverage word of mouth? How do I ask for referrals? How do I start a portfolio in the first place? How do I explain to people long-term services where you really don't see a significant impact week to week? It's like your house cleaner, right? If your house cleaner comes every week, you don't notice your house getting dirty and that's how you know they're doing a good job. Landscaping's kind of the same way, but on the outside. And so I started realizing that nothing is there for the trades and services. Everything is set up for retail establishments, for restaurants, for corporate entities. And there was this huge gap in the trades and services. And I'm an educator by trade. And so I started learning and I started building curricula. And at the end of 2021, my husband and I decided we were going to move to the Western Slope of Colorado. We were going to sell the landscaping company. And I went, all right, we're going to turn this kind of side hustle coaching gig I've been doing for a little while on how to run a landscaping company into a formal online school of here's how you grow your trades and service company. And so it's been growing from there. Do you find that you get, I mean, in the same way that, you know, someone might not hire you from an Instagram, do you find that the folks that work in trades and services are jiving with the whole online approach or? It's interesting. So one of the things I say, we're an online company and we are, but we're also available offline. So one of the things that's really different about how Outgrow Your Garage courses operate is they're really set up to be asynchronous. Everything is broken into these little five, 10, 15 minute modules. So you listen to your five minute content video, you listen to a three minute video of examples of how businesses like yours have applied this content, and then you do an activity. And so you can do a course, which might be eight modules, but you can do the whole course in these little short 15, 20 minute chunks and you can download everything. So you can download just the audio file and listen to it as a podcast while you drive around town. You can watch the video with or without captions. You can read the transcript. Activities can be done as a Google form. They can be downloaded as a PDF. They can be printed out. So however you learn, we're making things accessible in that format. So if you want to read all the content, great, print out the transcripts and read the content and take notes right on it. You can do that. And it is all available offline through that download feature. And that's something I find that's really helpful for people because they don't have to be attached to a computer. They can do it however it works for their schedule. They don't have to show up at any particular time and they can fit it in around the rest of their life. And that's not true of a lot of online courses. A lot of them are, here's an hour long video. And you're like, great, I have five minutes here and five minutes there. How am I right. going to fit this in? No, that sounds like it, it would be a great fit for folks that are, like you said, driving from one landscaping job to the next or something like that. And I like asynchronous thing. learning because it gives me that ability to do it when I have that space. The other thing we tend to assume is that everybody has internet in their house. And that's just not true. 
Um, it's not true for a lot of people in rural areas. It's not true for a lot of people in lower income areas. It's not true for some people who just decide they don't want internet in their house. And so I really like having something that's accessible, not online. You can go to the library, you can download the course, you can come back. And so that was something that was really important to me because we do often assume that like everybody has access to the internet, but I live in rural Colorado and I barely have internet at my house and I wouldn't have two years ago. You could not Mm. have gotten internet to my house at all two years ago. No, that's really important. We live in two Americas, probably more than that, because there are a lot of folks who live almost completely online. And then there's this whole other world that's happening that sometimes I do think gets a little bit left out of those conversations and they don't, there is some overlap, but it does seem like there are, you go out into the real world and you engage, or you go out into the digital world and you engage and not as much of the overlap. So it's yeah. a really important thing to remember. Yeah. We build a lot of digital, basic digital literacy stuff into our program programming kind of by default. Right. And mm-hmm. so when we do examples, we say, here's the concept of you have to keep a budget for your business, right? You need a steady pricing structure. And then we talk about how you could track your steady pricing structure in a notebook and say, this is how much things cost. And you could write it down. And as long as you know what it is, that's fine. You can also do it in an Excel spreadsheet or you can do it on your website. And so here's these different technological levels to apply a concept. And that is a really important one too, because even if you, learn online. One of the things I realized when I was doing estimates in the Denver metro area is that there would be pockets of no cell service. And so I couldn't just email somebody an estimate on the spot. And I'm not going to ask a client, hey, can you put me on your Wi-Fi so I can send you an estimate? That's not going to happen. So I couldn't just use the cell cell network. I had to wait until I got home to send an estimate, even though I wanted to be able to send it right on the spot. So figuring out those kinds of pieces of How do you do these things in a way that works for actual lived reality? Yeah, that's really important. So who do you typically work with? Like the folks that come out, grow your garage, are they obviously trades and services? Are they generally like just getting started or somewhat established and frustrated or some spectrum of that? We have a pretty solid spectrum. So we have everything from I launched my business last week to I am running this business in conjunction with a full-time job while I figure it out to I'm established and I want to talk to other people. So it really does run that gamut of different pieces. Sometimes it's just, I work from home and my business is established, but I want to talk to other people. And so that's where you see a lot of the people who come to our co-working. We run a free virtual co-working twice a week. And so we get a lot of different types of businesses and different types of people that attend that one. And then as far as our courses go, that's also pretty all over the map. We have individual businesses that take our courses. We have other business education programs that use our courses as an add-on for their programming. We have people who take webinars and just come for webinars, but don't take the courses. So it depends. And people are pretty, pretty all over the map. We do tend to find that People who work best with us are solopreneurs. They're people who started their business by themselves. They're trying to figure out how to hire their first one or two people. They don't have a huge disposable income budget. They can put a little bit of money into their business, but they're not at the point where they could hire a consultant. And they're still very much figuring out that what's the next step. 
So people who know what they need, but they don't know how to get there are really good clients for us. I know I need to write a business plan. I don't know how. I know I need to keep a budget. I don't know how. I know I should have a website. I don't know how. Those all tend to be good people for us. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like it's very functional in a lot of ways. I love your co-working idea because you're right. There's a loneliness to being a solo opener mm-hmm. that I don't dislike it, but it's always nice that I could opt into a way to connect with other people doing business yeah. and just being around that. I don't know. It's a good reminder. Like, oh, maybe I should go work my taxes. Right. And I think that's a, a fine thing because we need community. Humans are inherently social creatures and different people need different levels of community, but you still need a little bit. There are very few of us out there who just want to spend, excuse me, all day, every day alone. And it's not particularly healthy to do that. I feel like that's the pandemic lockdowns were very revealing in the ways that it was both a big pause and an awareness like, oh, maybe I don't need to do everything I was doing. And also an awareness of, but I still need to have some connections with people in my life. There's a certain amount of solitude that I'm like, oh, I thought I wanted more and I don't know. That's not good for me. Yeah. And I think it's important to focus on functional pieces, right? I'm a very systemic person, right? I like systems. I like steps. I like there being logic. And that was something that was hard for me to find is people who would help me build those systems as I was growing my landscaping company. And so it's something I really want to help other businesses do now. If you want someone to sit there and help you dream up what your five-year plan is and set these big lofty goals, great. I have a plethora of people I am happy to refer you to. If what you want is, I don't know how to build a procedure and a process, and I know I should have one because I know we should have a process for how to remember to call people back, how to demarcate which emails we've answered, how to send a follow-up about an estimate, great, I'm your girl. I will help you build every one of those processes. And we have courses for several of those. So that's really what I like to work on. And I, I find it really fun, even though much much like we talked about at the beginning, my idea of fun is not always what other people consider fun. But I love that process of building those operational procedures and helping people figure out what does efficiency actually mean for your business and what works for you. Because that's the other thing we don't talk about a lot is there is no one size fits all for creating habits or remembering to track your projects or how to do if there was one size fits all for time management, we would all be on time all the time. And that is not what happens. Exactly. It's finding the, it's finding exactly what works for you, what you'll use. I've seen that a lot where folks will, they want something so badly to be a good fit, but it's really not the right fit for their style, personality, Mm -hmm. equipment, whatever. And I feel that there's definitely times I'm like, I want that dress to work for me. And it does not. So same like it's, yeah. it, and so having someone who can help you to see that oh, mm-hmm. it's okay can be really helpful and reassuring. I think, especially when you're starting a business, because it, it, I don't think it's actually all of that like mystical, but sometimes it can feel that way. Like, oh, I'm a business, and so, but just I'm really mm-hmm. a person. And then having somebody who's like, yes, you're both. It's okay. Mm-hmm. What's a typical problem that you saw? Like I, I'm, I show up. I'm like, I need your help, Jesse. What am I asking you? Um, You are generally saying, I know what I should do, but I don't know how to get there. Here is what I need. I need the first two steps in this process. 
I know I'm supposed to understand. I know I need to market, but what does that even mean? What do I actually need? So those are the kinds of, of problems that we solve are these early stage. How do you get through the first two steps of that? I don't know what I don't know process. And that's my favorite thing to do is help somebody find that starting point. When somebody says, oh yeah, I took your course and now I have a starting point. I like mm-hmm. this thought process. It helped me think about it in a way that felt manageable are things that I really love. How do the courses work in terms of when you're talking about it needs to work for you? So is it more that you give people some ideas of options and then they develop what they need or? Yeah. So depending on the topic. So for something like sales and marketing, where there's a million different ways that you can go about marketing your business. We talk about here's your different options and here's why they might work better or worse for a given entity. And then it's up to that person to say, oh yeah, that sounds like me and something I would do. And then the activities are all around towards what what would you do for your business? So in our sales and marketing course, one of the activities is around finding your ideal demographic And it really talks about not just who do you want to market to, but where have you gotten money from in the past? Who's actually paying you? What are their demographics? And so backing into it from a different angle than just who's your ideal client. And you're like, I don't know, people, everybody. Okay, great. How do we narrow that down? Everybody is not your ideal demographic. And it's okay if not everybody wants to work with you. Same thing with one of my favorite ones that we work on is we actually have a course on automations, software evaluation, and building processes. And so that really talks about what is a system? What do you want out of your business? Where do you feel like you're in over your head? Let's make a to-do list around that. And so really talking people step-by-step through what comes next. Where are you at now? And then here's where to go to get these questions answered further. That's so important, I think. A lot of the stuff... It feels jargony at times. So while it can seem granular to ask what's a system, I actually think that's a really helpful process for a lot of folks. I know when I was first engaging with all of these things, these words definitely felt like they had some kind of magic code behind them. And it was like, oh, no, no this is just functional. But the way they were used definitely at times made me feel like I was missing some important thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. And our automations course is actually our most popular online course. And that surprised <laughs> me a lot. I would have thought it would have been hiring staff and contractors, which is about what's the difference between a 1099 employee and a W-2 employee and what do you actually need and how do you write a job description? So it gets you that, that initial piece of, I know I need to hire, but I don't know how or what. I thought staff and contractors would be the most popular, but automations is the one. The business is unusual. What's unusual about what you're doing? So this focus that we have on operations is weird, right? It's not sexy and it's hard to explain. And people always say, oh yeah, I don't need an operations person. You do Mm -hmm. need an operations person. Everybody needs an operations person. Operations are why businesses fail because they underpin everything else. Having a good process in place allows everything else in your business to function better. And so we're weird because we are a business operations program. I say business development a lot because that's 
the popular state, oh yeah, we do online business development courses. But we really do operations courses. We talk about how to build a process and how to build a process well and how to make running your business easier in tangible ways. And that's a pretty oddball thing. I don't know anybody else who's doing it quite like we're doing it. I would love to find somebody else who's doing it even remotely similar or doing more hands-on pieces since we're mostly, we don't do like group coaching or anything. We just do our online courses and our co-working and our webinars. So there's access. But if somebody wants really hands-on accountability, I, that's something I'd like to hire for eventually is having group co group coaching and things that are not async. Yeah. And that can be really helpful as a, the thing that I've seen happen in those groups is that folks who don't realize it's what you were talking about. Like they don't know what they don't know. And another person mentions a process or something they're working on and like, Oh, whole new world. So that does seem like a natural extension of what you guys are already doing, but yeah, it's not generally asynchronous. You gotta actually be engaging with people. That seems like a, a good direction. What's the best advice that you have received given both either? My favorite piece of advice is you can't try harder at trying harder. You're already trying as hard as you can. Trying harder is not going to solve the problem. You need a different piece of it. And I like it because it is really similar to the often quoted, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. But that idea that it's not you are not the problem. You might have aspects of things that you're doing that could be improved, but you as a human are not the problem in your How you learn and how you grow and whether or not you're having a bunch of resistance to it, that might be causing you issues. But if you're trying and you're looking for a solution and you are working on figuring out the pieces, you can't try harder at trying harder. And so you have to cut yourself the slack, the slack sometimes. And you got to ask for help. If you can't find the answer by yourself, go ask for help because trying harder is not going to solve it if you've already been trying. The anti, and I fully support that, like bootstrapping mythology, it's, we definitely all, I think, benefit from social connection and, and community. And yeah, like you're not going to figure out what you don't know. And I do think, here's a question, like a side question, but I feel like what I see from that often is I work with a lot of folks who are very competent and I feel like mm -hmm. sometimes they're victims of that, their own competence, because they're so good at figuring things out that when they run into something that they can't quite get, they do double down on like, I just got to work harder because usually that really works for them because <laughs> they're so good at that kind of stuff. So what do you think helps people to see that it's okay to ask for help? That's not admitting failure. The thing that we talk a lot about in my house, and I'm a pretty competent person and my spouse is also a very competent person, and, but we're not competent at the same thing. And that's the thing that matters is I am really good at building out long-term plans for the farm. I am really good at looking at a bunch of chaos and going, okay, here are the pieces that can connect together to do a system. I'm really good at people, the people side of business, right? Here's how we talk to people. Here's how we set up culture. Here's how we build teamwork. He's really good at software engineering, logical, systemic, step-by-step -step processes, attention to detail are all things that he's really good at. 
And I'm kind of lousy at most of those things. And so that's something I really work on keeping in mind is even if you're a really competent person, none of us are competent in all the ways. No matter how hard I try, I am never going to be somebody who is a really tidy. It's not. It's not going to happen. I cleaned my desk yesterday and I have two empty teabag packets and some like scrap pieces of paper that I've jotted notes down. My to-do list and planner are all the way over there. Like it's already ruined. I did it yesterday and that's okay. Right. I have to find a system that works for me because my competency is never going to be easily understood uh, systemic things in my physical vicinity. And I'm, what I'm hearing in that is also awareness and maybe a willingness to be present with that whole to see both the places where you're like, no, it's probably not for me. And then also, nope, I got this one. And comfortable with that. Exactly. And the beautiful thing about running your own business is that success in your business means you can hire for those things that you are not competent in. And I'm using hiring pretty loosely here. It could be a consultant. It could be somebody that you contract out work to. It could be an intern. It could be an assistant. It could be an actual W-2 employee. But you have all these options. So as you are successful in your business, you get to take the things you don't like off your plate. And that's what success as a business owner should mean is you do more of what you love and less of what you don't like. You do less of these sitting on hold with the IRS because it's not like big corporations don't have to be on hold with the IRS sometimes. They just pay somebody else to do it. Everybody has to be on hold with the IRS sometimes. That's how it works. But... Some people get to pay somebody else to do it. Be somebody who pays somebody else to do it. And in order to do that, you got to be, you got to get your business to a point that's profitable, successful, sustainable, and feels good to you. What do you do to keep yourself inspired when it gets hard? How do you? I whine a lot. I'm a giant whiner. (laughs) Is a real thing. And sometimes I actually pitch coworking as when you just need to complain about something for a couple minutes before you do it, because you need somebody else to acknowledge that thing you are doing is crap. And so that's actually a pretty big thing for me is that sense of camaraderie that like sometimes running a business is not great. But also I take a lot of walks, right? I hang out with the dog. I take breaks. I have a couple different spaces I like to work from. So today I'm at my desk. I also have a little reading nook over there. Sometimes I work from the couch. Sometimes I go to the local coffee shop. They're building a new entrepreneurship center down in Olathe, which is about 10 minutes from my house. I'm really jazzed about that, and I'm probably going to go have an office there. So that change of scenery for me really helps. And I listen to my body when it says, you know what, you're done for. And I think that's the that was the hardest to learn as a business owner is you have to put it down at the end of the day. Don't check your email from bed. Watch the crappy TV show. I started watching King of the Hill recently is on Hulu, which I missed totally when it was out. And I wouldn't have had the cultural context to understand it anyway. But Hank Hill is my father-in-law, like hands down. He's so much like my father-in-law. And so it is a hilarious show for me to unwind at the end of the day as I get to be like, all right, I'm just going to watch this dude who interacts with the world like my father-in-law. And that's funny and it's relaxing and it doesn't require a lot of brain power. No, that's it's so important to find whatever that is for you. Thank you for sharing so for people who are listening and are like, gosh, I need that, or I know someone who needs that, and I'll have all of this in the show notes as well, but what's the best way for them to find you, follow you, hire you, learn more? Absolutely. So com is our website. Things are always 
on that. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. But the easiest and quickest way to find me usually is I treat co-working as my office hours. So anybody who signs up for co-working, if you have questions about what's going on in Acre Garage, how to use our programming in your programming, how to how our programming can help your business, you want to book us for a webinar or to come in and do a workshop for your community, any of those kinds of pieces, the easiest way to track me down is to show up to a co-working. And you can find those both listed on our website under upcoming events. And then you can also find them on our Eventbrite page. Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to add before we say goodbye? Starting a business is really hard, but if you can get through those first two years, it gets less hard. And I think we spend a lot of time culturally talking about how starting a business is really hard, but not enough time talking about how it gets less hard. You put in the work, you give up some of your time, you give up a lot in those first couple years, but then it settles down. You figure out your demographic, you figure out how your pricing works, you start to get into a rhythm, you start being able to answer those, I didn't know what I didn't know questions. You learn from your mistakes. And one of the, one of my personal metrics of success in my business is, do I have different problems than I had a year ago? I'm never going to not have problems. You always have problems. That's how life works. But are they different? Are my problems changing? Yeah. No, that's, I think that's also a good metric because the problem-free life does not exist. I think that's why I still like to watch Dallas and like these rich, fancy people still have problems. That's great. Not alone. Huh? And we joke a lot in my house. Like, we both have steady jobs. We bought this farm. I love my farm. We have a dog. But we're not broke in our 20s anymore. I struggle pretty hard with some mental illness things. I have anxiety. I have depression. I have ADHD. But I have a handle on a lot of those. They're not a huge deal. And I'm very aware that when I have a problem now, it's a pretty good problem is that it's muddy out and the dog is tracking in muddy footprints all over my house or I have to clean her paws. And if I forget one time, there's like clay footprints in the house. In the grand scheme of things, that's really not a big problem. And so <laughs> appreciating that change in problem is great. Yeah, no, that is a great, a great perspective. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience. And I look forward to getting to know you and probably popping into your co-working hours sometime. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you. <laughs>